beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash godisgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Today we're speaking to Brandy Chagoya. She's a producer, storyteller, and founder of Lending Relief. This is a nonprofit which monthly visits the homeless on Skid Row and Venice Beach to supply basic needs to those communities. Also, Brandy is a fresh, spanking, newly, finally coming out, da 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 da, gay Christian. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you. That kind intro. Thank you. Um, first, I'm really curious to hear more about your nonprofit because I feel like this all began with you like filming a documentary from what I remember. Yeah, Is that true. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So in 2008, I uh, began to really see the homeless on the streets uh, differently and I wanted to do something about it. And homelessness was not was not the sexy cause at the moment. Um, but I just <laughs> sexy cause, yeah. But I just felt uh, like I had to do something. And if I look back now, I feel like that was the beginning of my call in life, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, to be with the people. So yeah, so I did a documentary and I just walked out on the streets um, and uh, just with a, a camcorder I bought at Best Buy. Wow. Um, it wasn't even HD at the time. It was like SD because I couldn't afford <laughs> HD. And for a year, went on the streets and followed different people around and it was super cool. And then uh, found an editor on Craigslist. Wow. Yeah. And he edited it. And then really from there, nothing happened. Um, I submitted it to film festivals and nothing happened, I guess, professionally with that. Uh, but something in me changed um, with that. So kind of um, left that alone because I thought like, oh, I'm going to this is going to make me famous if I'm honest. So looking back, uh-huh. um, it was a little bit more self-indulged um, and then just kind of left it alone. And then 10 years later, revisited without the um, self-absorption. 
Um, And I think that's God's work these last 10 years of really working out uh, my humility and vulnerability and honesty, really. That kind of got me to this to this place where where I am now. So interesting revelation. (laughs) I like that. It's really cool. I mean, okay, so I'm really curious about just your journey as a spiritual person. Did you like sense God or a higher power from childhood or because I know you found got saved, quote unquote, later on in life? Uh, Yes. Everything seems to happen later on in life. I feel like I'm this late, late bloomer, (laughs) bloomer. finally embracing it. Um, Yeah. So, no, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in um, a broken house, I guess you could say. My parents divorced when I was two. And from then, I kind of honestly just bounced around. Um, I didn't live in one house, so kind of lived out of a suitcase. And my whole childhood, I would say, looking back now, I was in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I lived with different people throughout my life, kind of um, got stable, I guess, in high school. Um, lived with my mom for all four years. And then... Uh, were you the one that was, but you, you were moving around with your parents? No. No, no. What do you mean? No. Since so, two, moving around by yourself. Well, so the my memory of my childhood isn't linear. Um, I remember spots in, in here and there's. Um, so no, and this is actually something I've had I've had to work through. Um, and now my dad and I, he's like my best friend. But then he remarried, uh-huh. and she wasn't a fan of mine. Um, so and she had other kids and actually had more kids. So I have a brother. Um, and a sister, and again, my brother is like my hero, um, and we reconnected later in life, but as a kid, no, I didn't have any family unit or or support, and my mom did the best she could, but just wasn't in a place to um, really give me what I needed, mm-hmm. um, especially in a in a home stability type, type environment. So no, I was living with aunts and uncles and just different people throughout oh, wow. until 12, and I don't know when that started, because I don't remember, but from my earliest memories, was with a suitcase out in someone's house. Wow, yeah. crazy. And the obvious question, when did you realize that you were gay? Really young, right? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so coming of age, um, I was living with a Lebanese family mm-hmm. um, at the outskirts of Los Angeles. And that's, I guess, pu- puberty, uh, coming of age. And I remember, I still remember it, having a crush on one of the girls in the houses Mm. and being in survival mode my whole childhood up until that point I had no one to talk to like when I started my period I had no one to talk to I was like what is happening so when this attraction happened again it was like what is happening and not to call you out but you're 40 right now yeah oh now (laughs) now i'm 42 42 i'm just bringing out the point that we didn't have access to the internet like you couldn't just like google like no why am i bleeding (laughs) (laughs) why does it feel like my stomach is like i'm about to die yeah terrible that no one was walking you through that that's awful yeah wow how did you even handle that then when you got your period um i remember being at someone's house and I'm seeing like Carrie and like the shower scene of the movie just crying. Being like, I'm dying. <laughs> not that dramatic. Um, again, not really connected with my emotions as a kid. So oh, I start think... compartmentalizing things basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I told someone, honestly, I remember starting my period and not talking about it. Ugh. Yeah. 
That sounds so hard. Yeah. Okay. So you have no idea. No one's educating you about anything. And then you just start feeling um, little butterflies for a girl, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And having no one to talk to. And my friends at the time are starting to get boyfriends and starting to sneak out of the house and meet boys and this and that. And I'm like, huh, I don't have those. Can't identify with that. Um, And then I think that for me is when... I realized I was gay, but didn't act on it or didn't pursue it. Just thought like, oh, I'm different than everyone else. Mm. Did you have any examples of like out people in your life or even, you know, in the media that were inspiring or? No, that was. So oh you my were God. like just like alone. 80s. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Even in that time, people weren't even. I remember one time my dad was like. Do you think Boy George is gay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, Dad, I think I think Boy George is gay. But yeah, that's like, yeah, it's true. You that's weren't awesome. supposed to come out no matter the circumstance back in those times. It's so wild. Um, okay, so then you're just, wow. So you're having this crazy childhood, no stability, compartmentalizing, realizing you're gay, alone. And then you just started sort of like coming into adulthood and just living whatever lifestyle you want, right? Still not saved. Right. Still not saved. Still trying to figure it all out. And naturally, I have like an analytical mind that I'm always trying to figure things out. I'm also a big daydreamer. So I live a lot. I live and die in my head most of the time. And I think um, maybe that got me through that time, just trying to figure it out, even though I never did figure it out. So yeah, so then high school comes and goes, and then um, I'm with my mom again, we end up moving, and it's like my early 20s, and I start, let's see, what's the word? I don't know, like living wild, I guess, like having having been, having to go through this childhood of uh, just survival mode into adulthood, I lost it. I couldn't keep it together. Mm -hmm. So I started partying and meeting like different people. I'm out in Hollywood every night. And then really that's my first chance to explore my sexuality, like for myself. And being with women in my early 20s was like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, this is it. This is, Uh this is what all this is about. Or I don't know, like it just, it clicked for me, I guess. Gotcha. But living, um, sort of reckless, I had this come to Jesus moment. And it was on the Sunset Strip, the Argyle Hotel in a penthouse. I don't think that hotel's there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm at this penthouse party, probably four in the morning. And I'm with like, you know, these, you know, party people, whatever. And this moment of God is like, there's more to life than this. And I felt in that moment, um, Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I think in this moment was a lot of um, good because how I was just living. Um, but then the come to Jesus moment also I didn't realize was going to lead to repression again of my sexuality. Okay, I yeah. Didn't, I didn't so you're that. just like living recklessly. Then you wind up in this hotel at some sort of low point, presumably, or yes. yeah. 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 And then you have a really genuine spiritual encounter. Yeah, for the first time. What did that look like? What did that feel like? Well, not knowing God throughout my whole life, it was this, um, yeah, like sweet, comforting, there's more to life than this in my early 20s. 
And I think all along. Let me ask you, are you like yes. drunk or high or anything? Yes, yeah. all of the, you all were the dead above. dead sober. <laughs> <laughs> it was anything but sober. But it was still different. Yeah, because it's funny. I've noticed even on my uh, YouTube, some people are like, you can't encounter God if you're on drugs. Or I'm just like, what? where are these oh, rules? Like, I know no. a lot of people that have had these darker moments in life where, yes. of course, God can speak at any moment, anytime. Yeah, honestly, I was doing a lot of drugs at that time. Mm. And when God spoke to me, it sobered me up in that moment. And I think oh. that, too, was a realization of, oh, there's something real here. Wow. So I think in that moment, yeah, I got saved, so to speak, as the Christians would say. But I think you really saved like, my physical body. Like I was going I was gonna die, I honestly believe. Wow. So it was this um, dramatic um, moment of not only spirituality, but of like a physical um, healing. And why Jesus? Why was that the thing that seemed to resonate over any other religion you could have chosen in that moment? Right. That's a great question. Um, so in the moment, I didn't know Jesus, so to speak. Um, so this moment, this not, it's like an audible, I wouldn't say it was an audible voice, but like in my heart or my soul or in my being, it was like there's more to life than this. Maybe a thought in my mind sobered me up. And I being born in the Western Hemisphere, it just seemed yeah. <laughs> that uh, it was, I need to go find a Bible. That was my thought. Mm. The next morning is, I need to find a Bible. So I did. And I found a Bible in the garage, of all places. And for whatever reason, I started reading the Psalms, which is like this poetry yeah. of this guy named David, who was writing um, these beautiful, honest of like these uh, poems, I guess. And he's saying like, my, I remember one of the first ones I read, he's like, my enemies are chasing me. Like, God, please, you know, rescue me. And I was like, oh, it's exactly, yeah. it kind of mimicked what was happening in, in my life. Mm -hmm. So it gotcha. resonated. Yeah. So the thing we haven't revealed yet is that Brandy and I know each other from a shared <laughs> church history. <laughs> we both went to a... <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be, oh, whatever. I, yeah. I, we both had such a positive, light, wonderful experience at this place for the most part. And I, you know, always put progressive church in quotations when I talk about churches in Los Angeles, because when it's not a LGBTQ affirming community, it's hard for me to call them progressive, especially the more research I'm doing, seeing the parallels between anti-interracial marriage in Christianity in like the 60s yeah. um, and obviously before then, and then how they were using the Bible to alienate that community and they had their justice in their hearts believing they were doing the right thing mm -hmm. and they were protecting our community and they were protecting the future youth and like the the rhetoric is the exact same for interracial dating as it is for being gay. Yes. So, you know, to me, there's nothing progressive about that. But, you know, there's so much, like, heart in that place at the depth of people. So, obviously, I think we both pause to be like, it's the worst place ever. <laughs> but, I mean, your experience, I got turned off because there's started to become an obsession with finances that I started feeling. They really wanted to move to a larger church. And every message was about give more money, give more money, give yes. more money. And I was yeah. like just getting slowly turned off. I was going through a divorce, so I already felt like I needed to silence the voices of like all these external people telling me 
And by the way, I'm biblically okay in getting divorced because it was uh, cheating occurring or whatever. But, you know, there's still people telling me what to do about that situation. I was like, I need everyone to shut up so I can figure this out. You obviously have had a different journey because of being gay. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to hear what your experience was with the church. Yeah, it is. It's so cool to reconnect with you now. <laughs> I know. It's like, wild. We haven't seen each other in 10 years. I think it's been 10 years. Yeah. And it's been really cool because honestly, God has begun to bring certain people back into my life. And I wouldn't say we're necessarily close. Like, I remember us like hanging out. I know we were in a certain strip club ministry together. Yes, which I love, actually. (laughs) I love that ministry. There's a wonderful ministry led by a former stripper, and they give resource and help women get out of the sex industry. I'll always support what they're doing. And also, there's so much more understanding than the whole of the church because they see these women in these dire circumstances. So it's like, if you're anything, you know, outside of a prostitute, (laughs) like on crack on the streets, then you're doing pretty well in their eyes. Whereas if you go in the church, if you have a spaghetti strap showing, you're not doing so well. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is funny to see you now. I'm starting to have flashbacks of you. Um, And, yeah, so that was a really special time. I remember always feeling fondly of you. Like, I always had a really good impression. Do you remember? I'm having a flashback. Do you remember? um, So it was you and I and another uh, woman I won't name. We're standing on the corner. And we're someplace in Los Angeles. And we're about to go into a strip club. And we're crossing the street. (laughs) It's probably, like, I don't know, midnight, 2 in the morning. Uh And this guy, he walks up on a horse. (laughs) How could I not remember that? But I don't. You don't? Go what then what and he like walked out he was like oh hi this is my horse daisy (laughs) wow and i was dead sober in these days how do i not remember that it was just those unique moments (laughs) yeah so that was that was that was a special time yeah it was it really was remember that okay anyways yeah there was so much beauty in those moments and i think you can definitely encounter god any place and we definitely both were encountering yeah our spirituality there, learning more, reading the Bible, like totally. like studying it genuinely. But yeah, I'm yeah. so curious. <laughs> How did this go down? Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? Well, okay. <laughs> so basically, your journey is you always you knew you were um, a lesbian going into it. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. then you come into the church, and right. they're like, "Come as you are. All are welcome here." <laughs> and then they do a little bait and switch on you at some point. Right. Like, I think. Tell me about that journey. Yeah. Okay. So when last we met, um, I honestly I was thinking back on that girl in that time who I, me, Brandy. Um, and I, I feel sorry for her because mm-hmm. she had great intentions and in that come to Jesus moment. I sought out the church. Like I sought out, not, there was not one Christian that came into my life and was like, Hey, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Like I didn't have that moment. I had God came to me specifically, spoke to my heart. And then I went out and I found him. So I didn't know what I was in for, but finding that church in that time that ministry and I think I was there for 10 years in there and the good thing about that place was that I learned for the first time that this idea of purpose and destiny which I've never heard before oh yeah so that was my um like my greatest takeaways along with a handful of people from from that place um were those things so yeah so I'm there and I'm serving my heart out Mm mm-hmm and uh, that's kind of like what they demand. 
They demand like everything. <laughs> that is true. Like if you're in a, not in a nice serving, way, yeah. Like, yeah, they want your time and your money and your oh. resource and your emotions, and you have to live in this apartment building. And you have to, you know. Oh, were you actually working at the church? Because they had an apartment that they also owned, which sounds kind of culty, and it's like <laughs> it's not as sci-fi as it sounds, but. Yeah, was it basically yeah. like cheaper rent or like it was? I didn't live. I was on staff, oddly enough, um, for a year or okay. so. Yeah, and I think that's when I saw behind the curtain, so to speak, and I was like, "Oh, now I really have to go." Right. Well, like, <laughs> look, let's bring up the contract. <laughs> we so <laughs> when you go in to serve this church, yes, um, which I they, forgot about that. <laughs> They standards do. of ministry. Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. my God. Here we go. Okay, so, good. <laughs> yeah, we um, basically, yes, there is, it's not only a pressure, but it's a obligation that you serve at the church. And there, there's the whole idea of we are a body and you're all different Half legs the people weren't the even body. abiding by that. Everyone's sleeping with everyone. Come to find out all these years later. But yes, yes, in that moment, yes. So yes. everyone's part of the body and, you know, so you all have to be giving what you can. And basically, if you are if you are in any sort of service where you are known to be like a server of the church, what, like if you have a visual representation like a of the church. If you have a title, like leader. Yeah. If you're yeah. a leader, if yeah. you're on the worship team, if you're in the band, if. Did the greeters have to sign those? If you're a leader. Just of, a leader. No. OK. And definitely if you're on staff. Standards of ministry, and the list includes, like, no drug use, no premarital sex, no living with someone of the opposite sex. Yes. Which, by the way, I was in a moment where I was about to be not homeless, like the people you're ministering to, but I was definitely about to lose the place that I was living in. And my brother was also looking for a place to live. And he had a friend that I did not have an ounce of chemistry with that I would have never looked at sexually in a million years. And they were moving in together and they had a third room. And my brother was like, oh, it'd be so fun. Let's live together. And the worship leader, because I was on the worship team, I took her aside and I was like, look, I'm in a dire circumstance. I have this opportunity to live with my brother. But, you know, he lives with a guy. I'm not attracted to him. I promise. I swear nothing will happen. And she was like, well, looks like you're going to have to choose between <laughs> worship and oh you're like God. having an apartment. And I was oh like so devoted that I chose yeah. worship team. Yes. And then I had to move in with my aunt that lived like literally two hours away. And I was commuting to my jobs, to church for two hours, so I wasn't living with this guy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they were really good at uh, manipulation. There's, like, just no room for being like, hi, we trust you guys. Again, it goes back to what you are saying, the black and the white. Black and white. There Absolutely. is a gray. Yeah. And what, another thing, probably going off topic now, but um, <laughs> if we, okay. Let's pause for that. If we. Oh, it's okay. We can do it. Thank you. <laughs> You're sweet. <laughs> You're the best, Joe. Okay. <laughs> but if we have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, that means we have our own relationship with Jesus. And what they don't preach from the platform is that we trust you have your own relationship with Jesus and he's speaking to you directly. It's more of like control, mm. repress, manipulation, instead of letting go and letting people be. Yeah, and I, I always say that too. I keep telling my audience that. I'm like, 
like God sent his son yes. biblically to give us the Holy Spirit so that we yes. have a direct connection to God. Yes. And I've never, I remember one time there was a guest pastor at this church and he went into this long speech. Like he just stood up there and they had his, you know, they gave him his bless, their blessing and he was just like, explain the expanse of the universe and how many light years it takes Mm. to get to certain places and explain, you know, the planetary and everything that would be confusing about whatever. And then in conclusion, he goes, so I don't know anything. (laughs) So I'm just a man. I'm going (laughs) to preach a message. If it resonates, take it home. And if it doesn't, I'm a dude. And I was, I actually looked at the head pastor because I was like, Ooh, that must be a controversial thing to say. He just told us to trust ourselves. And I've literally never heard anyone here say, trust yourself. Yeah. That's freedom. Yeah. That's freedom. I think that's the freedom that God's calling us to. Mm -hmm. And I've never heard someone say something like that before or since. And I don't mean to drag all pastors for that, but I'm like, yes, that's what Christianity should be about, giving us the tools to trust ourselves. Yes. And instead, they went with this really legalistic, and I think they still do, like, if we choose the lowest common denominator of, like, people that can't even function with, like, basic like life skills and we give everyone those rules then no one will get hurt and right. no one will have premarital it's just like but everyone's sneaking no. around with each other well They're still i don't sleeping. i didn't know about that still sleep- I, had- I was actually being good <laughs> i was too come down i feel like the fool now i missed out on my prime of all my 30s having sex because i'm signing these ministries standards of ministries and i'm serving in ministry and i'm in church and i'm believing this I'm believing it. And yeah, I was one, I just met this girl again, reconnecting for a long time. I actually went to brunch this week and she's telling me all these stories. And I was like, what? Who's no way. And I'm like, now I missed out. Oh, we were the goody goodies. We were, we were, Brenda. Now I mean, we're the outsiders. But at the time, yes, we yeah, were the good ones. I know. That's crazy. How ironic. Well, so uh, was there something on the standards of ministry about being yes. gay? Yes. I think it was like number four or number mm. three. How was Specifically, it homosexuality. Right. If you're going to be in a sexual relationship, it's married, and they define marriage, of course, with a man and a woman. One man, one woman. Marriage. So how That's did it, it. How did it feel signing that contract? Oh, I felt like I was um, like betraying myself mm. in me because I do believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in gifts of the Spirit. I I um in the Bible it calls even even one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the advocator. Like he's advocated on our behalf. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit is in me and I'm betraying myself, but I'm belie- I'm following man. I'm not following God because those tools aren't taught. And this is my first major time in the church and I'm believing word for word what these people are saying from platform and because they have a microphone and I'm like head over heels like yes yeah to the people not to God so signing that I had to um if I wanted to serve and I did want to serve like my heart I really wanted to find Jesus and I thought I was doing it right I thought I was doing everything right that's because it's like reaching a genuinely pure place inside of yourself which is this connection you have with Jesus yeah and then Twisting it and conflating it with all of these rules yes. and regulations. And when you are yeah. head over heels, you're like, whatever you say God wants me to do, I'll do. Yeah. But you're also bringing up something I wanted to talk to you about, which is you have a memory of this more deeply <laughs> than I do. There was 
messaging that we were receiving during the 2008 election of Obama. And I'm dying to know what you remember because I don't remember the message, but I would love to tell you what happened to me after I received the message and after I voted. But please, let me, like, please tell us what you remember. Okay, so it's, uh, yes, it's election time. Mm -hmm. And the big election, Obama's coming in and he's giving this message of hope and of change. Um, and there was also a ballot or a proposition here in Los Angeles. We're in L.A., in Los Angeles, for gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And it was Prop 8. And it was kind of written um, opposite. So I think if you voted against it, you're actually voting for marriage, something like that. <laughs> yeah, Don't hold me to that. Yeah. I remember it was like something a little quirky. So that's fine. And I remember this time of um in los angeles of really being like this great time of celebration change is coming it's gonna be great except (laughs) in the church uh, it was not looked at favorably and i remember this lesson i guess being preached i don't even know preaching uh from platform where the pastor literally said 40 minutes of do not vote for obama Mm -hmm. and vote against gay marriage because here's the why there's the what here's the why why because they democrats liberals gays i don't know who are gonna come for the church's tax-exempt status <gasps> they're gonna back to the money my back problem to with the, the money okay. it was this fear oh my god base ideological stance that was shared from platform to what three thousand people at the time the wow. church Five services, yeah. Five services, Five services, yeah, 600 people in each um, sitting. So, yeah, 3,000 people, probably online as well. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, and I remember, like, huh, again, head over heels, just days, like, ah, uh, this Jesus moment, and then that happens, and you think that would have been enough to be like, okay, I've signed the standards of ministry. I'm doing everything right. This does, This goes against my core, and yet even that, I still stayed years after that. Did you vote the way requested? You know, um, this this is um, horrible, and <laughs> I've never admitted this. Oh. <laughs> I've never admitted this. Uh, my heart's really pounding. <laughs> to be honest. I took it hook, line, and sinker, and I voted for, I voted against gay marriage, however that proposition was was written, and uh, thank God we're in a liberal state, so of course our state still went blue, voted for Obama, but I think I- But that proposition failed, and and gay marriage was still illegal. Yes. (laughs) Thanks a lot, (laughs) (laughs) Brandy. Well, no, I think this is amazing because it plays into the experience that you had signing the contract. And, you know, there was I did this one video on masturbation and how you're not going to go to hell for (laughs) masturbating. And I thought one of the craziest arguments. Great video, by the way. Thank you. But one of the arguments was, um, you know, when you masturbate and you feel terrible about it afterward, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And I was like. I made a point to say in the video, like, you know what? That's not the Holy Spirit's conviction. That's shame. Shame is external. Conviction is internal. So, like, that's the the distinction that you can make when making those decisions. And we all have the Holy Spirit within us, yes. apparently. This yes. is what you and I believe. Yes. So, in that case, you felt that 
conviction of doing something wrong when you sign that contract. And for me, I remember going into that voting booth in 2008, and even one of my best friends, Haven, was like, don't tell people this story. It's <laughs> right? so shameful. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know it's shameful, yeah. like, but I have to yeah. tell you that, um, and thanks for admitting it. That's so crazy. But I remember being in the voting booth and I actually left it blank because I couldn't bring myself to do it. I felt this crazy mix of emotions. I was like, they're telling me this and I trust my pastor and I trust my leadership, but also like this doesn't feel right. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. And I was so tormented that I left it blank and like a frenzy left it blank. Yeah. And I did vote for Obama. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like I'm just doing that <laughs> anyway. But... Um, I remember that night I was at home. I was still married at the time and I heard, I was watching a movie and I kind of completely forgotten about it. And I heard honking and like driving far down the street. I lived on Sunset Boulevard and I remember all the hair stood up on my arms and I felt a sinking feeling like you feel when something really bad is coming. Mm -hmm. And it was just really ominous and dark and dirty. And I was like, oh, what is that? I thought it was like a riot or something like bad was coming my way. And um, I went to the window as it got closer and closer and I was waiting to see what it was. <clears throat> and I opened the curtains and it was a jovial celebration of a bunch of people in these cars and they were waving gay flags and they were X'd out and it had like they had American flags and they were just screaming like God prevailed like the you know because what? gay marriage hadn't passed and I literally fell to my knees and started crying and I apologized to God in that moment I was like I knew I was doing something wrong. I knew you were convicting my spirit and telling yeah. me, like, because I have a freaking relationship yes. with you. Yes. You told me this was wrong. It felt like everything about me recoiled yes. when I was in that voting booth. And yet, you know, we're taught to trust ourselves in so many ways as people. Like, you tell your daughters, like, if you have a weird feeling about someone, don't get in that car. Don't walk down that alley. Why are we not taught to trust those, like, dark feelings when it comes to spirituality? You're supposed to ignore them because some dude told you? Yeah, I think, too, this falls in manipulation of the church because they straight out tell you don't trust your emotions. Mm. And I believe God speaks to us in many ways, emotions being one of them, intellect, heart, situation, umpteens. I just feel it through people. Um, I feel that that is a huge form of manipulation and control when they say don't trust your emotions. Trust what I'm saying. This is what you do. And where do you think, you know, as I feel like you probably know them better than I do, but where does that come from in them? Because this makes them sound like very dark and dirty, but it's like, I do believe there's a root of <laughs> spirituality and purity in them, but it's like, do you think that just becomes defiled when you have a position of power or? I think tone is set at the top. Mm -hmm. So what your leader is, you're not going to be better than what your top leader is. So I didn't have a personal relationship with them. Uh, I could tell you a lot of hearsay stories <laughs> for I've heard sure. Some hearsay stories, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do believe it's a form of spiritual abuse. Um, I do believe there's something of um, 
<laughs> go ahead. Just go for it. We're not saying the name, so just go for it. I think there's a lot of ego in there. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like the word like fame whore comes to mind. Like people who want attention and kind of are looking at maybe peers and want to be like the top like Christians in the city and things like that. I remember when. I'm sorry, I don't mean to run you out, but it's like it's reminding me of Hillsong. I feel right. like this huge like poison was infused in the Christian community when it wasn't just about come to church, your church of thirty or a hundred, and pray with sincerity. It became like who's going to be the next megastar, the that's next it. Joel Olstein. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and I think that's where a pure heart could be. I mean, we're all people. We can all, you know, be tempted well, look, in one way or another. Well, you said it with your documentary that you realized your heart was in the wrong place. Yeah. yeah, even if your heart's like one degree off, like you could be like really off. So I think that when you're at a certain level and you want more, you hurt people and you crush people and it's control. And I yeah. think it's it's control at like the worst type of like spiritual abuse in the church control which I had no idea existed (laughs) well yeah tell me about that because that's not a term you really hear ever spiritual abuse spiritual abuse yeah I think that's when it's like give everything give everything give everything to us and it's like celebrated like I emptied out my bank account to zero to that church really I did and that's not biblically sound at all. It's just supposed to come be to 10%. find out. Come to find out. Yeah, because I and I take full responsibility for my bad decisions. Like I look back now, like how could I be manipulated? How? Why did I fall for this? So yeah, in those times, it's um, it's control, and I wasn't looking in the scriptures for myself. Yeah, yeah. And the more you don't, I don't like listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, like it could get less and less. So if he's like, don't sign the standards of ministry, go out and be your own person. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay here and be controlled. And then it's like, well, you know, I kind of got what I asked for. I kind of got what I signed up for. Well, then when was your new come to Jesus moment of realizing that you're allowed to be a gay Christian? Right. I think something, there's a couple factors. Um, one was something magical happens when you turn 40. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. But a lot of um, aha moments happened. But what I had to do was take responsibility for myself and leave the church. Because 10 years of this, something got to me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I was tired. I was exhausted. Mm. Um, I was exhausted of serving, you know, 12 hours on a Sunday at a church. I was exhausted of giving my all. I was giving like everything 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 and that got exhausting I need to take a break and that break you know it was a little break then I went back and then it was another break and I went back and then I was like no I'm really done because at each point it just got worse and worse I think I was listening with different ears like God gave me a different mindset for that so yeah so I left the the church the institutional church and I'm having these great Jesus moments on the beaches up and down Southern California. And I'm having probably for the first time really honest conversations with God. Mm. And for my 40th, I wanted to spend it by myself. And I went to Aruba. Amazing. I don't know why. I've never <laughs> been there before. I've never seen the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Jump on a plane. I go to Aruba. I'm sitting on this gorgeous beach. I mean, their beaches are rated always in the top 10 of any of any yeah. list. So I'm on this gorgeous beach seeing the Caribbean ocean for the first time. And I felt like God was like, this is your halftime. 
Okay. And I don't I don't play sports, but <laughs> okay. I talk in like a lot of sports analogies. Okay. <laughs> and God was like, this is your halftime. So I was like, okay, so this is my half in life. Life. This is my life. Okay. So I'm 40. People are living longer. So I'm going back to my third quarter and then fourth quarter. <laughs> so <laughs> how do I want to live my third quarter? How do I how do I want to go back to Los Angeles? And I was having this kind of Jesus moment and it was like, what do I believe? I was asking myself, what do I believe? And I do believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Mm-hmm. I believe Jesus um, walked physically walked to the earth. And I believe that he died. And I believe that he rose again. And that's some crazy shit. To, You're right. To yeah. really, if you think about it. And yeah. I did. I was diving in deep. I, like, I know a lot I of my this? secular friends are like, oh, you're such a cool Christian. And then they're like, do you literally believe that? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you're, you're crazy. It is. It's crazy. But yeah, it is what you believe. It, but I believe it. And so I many people it. are like, you're not a Christian because you're gay or because you're right. sexually active. And it's like, right. I think a Christian is just someone that believes yeah. this crazy narrative it's, of Jesus, which we crazy. do. And if you look at the Bible in um, the gospel, just for biographies, if you will, um, there's not much of the life of Jesus, but mainly they say from the, around the time he was 30 to 33 when he was um, executed, um, willfully executed. And I look at the red in the Bible. I think you've said this too. Yeah. But like if you only look at that part in the Bible, like that's a Jesus I follow. That's a Jesus I believe is a feminist. That's a Jesus that was radical. He was controversial. He went to the ones that the religious types were like, why are you hanging out with them? That's why I believe if Jesus was around today, he would be on Skid Row. He'd be walking and talking, healing teaching, listening. He would be with the people. It's June right now as we're recording this. At the time of this recording, it's Pride Month in Los Angeles. I believe he'd be at Pride. I believe he would be mm-hmm. with the trans and the gays and the bi's. And I believe he would be walking with us and talking with us. And I think he would be freaking out a lot um, of the church. <laughs> he'd be turning over a lot of tables. <laughs> that is for damn sure. So, yeah. So that was the moment I was like, okay, I do believe who Jesus said he is. I look at the Bible and I, fought, I like that guy. He's a hippie. I think he's, you know, awesome. And oh God, you're just reminding me of this sour woman. She commented something. Her like profile picture was like her pregnant holding a baby. And then she was like, I don't subscribe to your like hippie faggot loving Jesus. What? And I just wrote back and I was like, oh, you use the word faggot. How cute are you? Like, shut up. Like, you're so gross. Are you kidding me? I, I love your God is great movement and, and those comments, yes, are yeah, yeah sometimes entertaining. Like I'm like, oh, God, I'm just praying for that baby inside of her. Ooh. But yeah, so I, I was on the beach in Aruba. I was like, I do believe who Jesus is and how do I want to live? Like I and I came to the moment of like, I'm gay. I'm naturally attracted to women and I have been my whole life. And I have two decisions. I can go back to Los Angeles, admitting I'm gay, living in this truth, and choose celibacy, and choose to be in the church and white-knuckle it my whole life. Or I can go back to Los Angeles, be a Jesus follower, and be gay. Because I don't want to be by myself. I think just human nature, and everyone's not like this, I I know. But for me, I want a relationship. I want to go to sleep with someone. I want to wake up with someone. I want to share a life with someone. I want the intimacy. I want to build a life with someone and create something beautiful. So why should I not have that available to me just because it's of I want to have that with someone of the same sex? Yeah. And I want to express myself sexually, which I feel is a human right to express myself sexually in a healthy way. And for me, that looks like with a woman. Right. Well, how do you overcome the verses in the Bible 
people that's that are great. against this. That's so great. So I feel like I've been on this I'm gay tour with like certain <laughs> friends, which is yeah. also exhausting. But and some of my friends are there's actually only really two of them who have said the Holy Spirit's in you. You have a relationship with them. I don't think you're going to hell, but mm-hmm. that's on you. You know, I on and I also don't believe I'm going to hell um, yeah. for that. But the verses in the Bible, and I get this question a lot, is mainly the verses of Paul. And when Paul's talking about homosexuality, I believe Paul, if you look at him as a person, he's uh, misogynistic. He has clear uh, women issues. And if you look at a lot of things he says, like we don't, a lot of the church, they don't follow these things. He says women should not teach men. He said women should be quiet in church. He said women should not be with men in church. And he also says homosexuality is wrong. I, as a critical thinking intellectual, do not equate the words of Paul to the words of Jesus. I love that. At all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that the same thing. Like, I've just like, who wrote Leviticus? Ooh, I don't know. I don't, whoever wrote Leviticus, I think was like out of his damn mind. Like, (laughs) I'm just like, whoa, this person is like spiraling out of control. (laughs) And I can't remember the last time I read that book, to be honest. <laughs> but that's the well, that's because that's one of the main verses oh. uh, about homosexuality. And it's also sandwiched between like, you know, you should be ostracized from your whole community if you have period sex. So I'm like, stop referencing Leviticus on pulpits unless you also want to next week do a, a sermon on period sex. Because I have not heard <laughs> one of those, you know. So it's like, just stop referencing that. How about, right. you know, like it's right. not relevant, obviously. Right. Yeah, no shellfish, beards, braided hair, tattoos. Like, this person was, like, on one. But, I mean, that's the whole distinction, right, between people that are, like, the Bible is the infallible word of God, which is the the greatest argument of coming up against on God is gray because it's, like, Mm -hmm. people that say the Bible is the infallible word of God presume that you can take any passage out of it and use it as as a teachable moment. And there is a verse, I forget the exact word, but you know, mm-hmm. that everything in the Bible is used for the teaching and reproach of people or whatever. Yes, yeah. But you're right. I keep saying, like, what <laughs> if it's more like a, an ancient blog or diary? Like, these are just people that were trying their darndest yeah. to follow God. They were trying their hearts out to be good. Like, yeah. Paul had the privilege of being in Jesus' presence, but he's still an incredibly flawed person. Yes. So it's like... And even still, I've theorized, like, what if some of these men that were so anti-homosexual were raped or molested mm-hmm. and and associated that with, like, perversion and darkness and yeah. shame? Like, you don't know where these people were coming from because they're people. And right. it's like, to me, the Bible is, quote, infallible in the way that it is a perfectly documented journey of all of these wild and crazy people trying their best failing miserably succeeding sometimes right and then jesus like you said red letters is the only one that got it right yeah in the old testament too that was the law and then in the new testament jesus is the game changer jesus is the one that changes everything and his ministry and i think a lot of people when they're damning me to hell or they're saying you're going to hell as ignorant as that statement is um and as arrogant is that that statement is, it's uh, it's not true. That's not the reconcile. That's not the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus' right. ministry is of love, peace, and reconciliation. Mm. It's not of damning anyone to hell. It's of love. So where's right. the ministry of Jesus in these people? And the Old Testament, as historical as it is, and a lot of these stories 
can be cross-referenced in other historical texts. So it is a historical book, definitely. But there's some crazy stuff in there. That's the first, I believe, <laughs> recorded um, experiences of human trafficking are in the Bible. Mm. Like Esther, she was trafficked. She yeah. was forcibly moved from her home. That's, that's the definition of human trafficking is forcibly moving someone. Even a pimp moves a girl from one corner to the next corner, technically that's human trafficking. Wow. So Esther was moved out of her house into a harem so yes, these are there's like crazy stuff. There's like angels, the sons of God coming down and raping women, and God had to correct them. So there's some crazy stuff back there. So thank God <laughs> for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that'll be the title of this podcast. <laughs> oh, well, any final thoughts? I mean, I'd love to promote your you did a, a new documentary or your your just now have this project? Do you need people to donate to it? Or how can people get involved with the um, lending relief? That's great. Um, so right now I'm working with different creative directors here in Los Angeles and we're building the website and we're building content. So as of right now, um, there is, we're still creating the website. So there is no website. But if you go to Brandy, Chagoya. I'll, I'll have the spell. Okay, on Instagram, it gives links to, we have an Amazon um, wish list that okay. gives directly to the homeless. So it's That's like awesome. underwear and socks and just like the, we're meeting the, the basic um, needs awesome. right now of, of the people. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining us in this conversation. I can't wait to keep expanding upon it. Thank you, Brandy. Thanks, Joe. For Thanks, Joe. This. It was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> We love you. God bless. <laughs> All right.